All right, so last Wednesday, we sat down for a church staff meeting. And as we did, my wife, Amber, with glee in her eyes, said, let's talk about Christmas. All the staff was like, no, oh no, it's too early for all that. We're like more than three months away from Christmas. I'm saying, babe, like we have a lot of holidays to get through before we get to Christmas. You know what I mean? We've got, of course, Halloween, Thanksgiving, my birthday, the NFL bye weeks. Like there's a lot of stuff that has to happen before we get to December 25th. And yet she was ready to talk about Christmas last week. Now, of course, Amber is not the only one. You may have noticed that if you go out to the stores right now, they already have all of their Christmas stuff out and ready for purchase. My neighbors have already decorated their lawn for Halloween. Like it's September, you guys. I don't know how you feel about this, but I just think it's too early. I think it's too soon. Come on, dial it back. Let's just enjoy the last little bit of summer that we possibly can. Anybody with me? Okay, a few of you guys are. A few of you guys are like, Dan, you sound like a grumpy old man this morning. You kids get off my lawn. I know, I know. But despite the fact that I'm complaining about the fact that everybody is like on fast forward right now and headed towards the holidays and things, I actually want you to fast forward a couple of weeks into the future with me this morning and to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. Now, when I say I want to talk to you today about Thanksgiving, I don't really mean the holiday of Thanksgiving. I mean, I want to discuss with you the power of saying thank you in your life, the ability of gratitude to change your relationships with one another and then to change your relationship with God. So we're going to talk a little bit, despite the fact that it's like September 22nd, we're going to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving this morning. Now, normally, if I were going to preach a message on Thanksgiving, I would wait until Thanksgiving Sunday to do that. That would make a lot of sense, right? But here's what's happening. Starting next Sunday and going all the way through the end of October, we are going to be kicking off a brand new series on spiritual beings and spiritual battle. I'm really looking forward to this. We're going to be talking about angels and demons. We're going to be asking the really important questions about the unseen realms like, does Satan wear the same red spandex suit every day or does he just have a closet full of identical ones? I don't know, but we're going to find out in the weeks to come. No, I'm kidding. Of course, this is going to be an amazing and I think uh, eye-opening sermon series for many of you, but because we're going to be talking about those things on Thanksgiving weekend, I thought, let's just go ahead and jump into a little bit of Thanksgiving talk today. Today, Today would be a great day to start talking about the power of saying thank you in your life. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Dan, you know, like I'm sure there are people inside of this theater this morning and they need to focus a little more on counting their blessings. You know, they need to focus more on being grateful for what they have and being thankful for everything that's been done for them. But that's not me. I don't struggle with that. I know how blessed I am. I am constantly thinking about how many good things are going on in my life. So this might be a message today for other people, but I'm not so sure that I am gonna get much out of this. And listen, if that's where you're at, then I wanna say good on you. Like it is a wonderful thing to recognize how good life is for most of us, you know? It is a great thing to sit around and to remind yourself regularly of how many blessings and positive things are going on in your life. Many people don't do that. Many people just kind of take it all for granted. 
or they only focus on the negative. And so um, it's a healthy thing for us to periodically just take inventory and say, man, times have been tough. And like, man, I, you know, I wish I had more of this and that and things like that. But if I would just pause for a moment and count every good thing in my life, then you might reframe your circumstances a little bit. And you might realize that you've got a lot more going for you. You have a lot more blessings in your life than you think you do. But here's the deal. Even if you're one of those people and you're like, no, no, I'm very aware of all the good things in my life, there is actually a second component of gratitude, of thankfulness that most people miss out on. Most people get the first part, I'm thankful for this and I'm thankful for that, but they miss the second part. And it's this second part of gratitude, this second part of thankfulness that has the power to change your life. And so this morning, I want to look at a story from the scripture that highlights both components of biblical, real, healthy gratitude. And I promise you, this will change your relationships at work. It'll change your relationships at home. It will change your relationship with God if you'll stick with me for the journey. So what is this second component of gratitude? And how do you know if you're missing it? And what are you missing out on without it? Let me show you. Luke chapter number 17 is where we're going to be reading today. And Luke chapter number 17 is one of the gospels. So this is one of the stories about Jesus' life. So it talks about who he was and what he did and what he taught and things like that. And in Luke chapter number 17, we have this short but very interesting story about an encounter that Jesus has with some people in his day. So I've got all the verses here on the screen. We're going to read the entire story, and then we're going to go back and just kind of go verse by verse and point out a couple of things, okay? So look at what happens here in uh, Luke chapter number 17. We read here that as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between the region of Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And the Bible tells us this man was a Samaritan. If you're like, what the heck's a Samaritan? I'll tell you in a moment. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. This passage is rich. Like there is a lot of stuff in here. And again, I think it illustrates what, the, what sort of gratitude God wants us to have in our lives. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna go back to the first verse and I just kinda wanna walk a little bit through this and point out some things that you might've missed or might not fully understand so that you will come to understand what it means to be truly grateful. So we read here in the first verse that Jesus was leaving the region of Galilee. We can put the next slide up there. We, he was leaving the region of Galilee and he was headed south to the city of Jerusalem. Now, in order to get from Galilee to Jerusalem, he had to pass through a province or an area that was called Samaria, okay? And so it's a little bit like if you wanted to come from Edmonton down to Calgary, how are you gonna get there? Yeah, you're going to go on the QE2, you're going to pass right through the middle of Red Deer. But imagine you hated Red Deer with all of your heart. Some of you do. Imagine you're like, I will never set foot in that place. 
I hate everything they stand for. I don't like a single person that lives there. I would rather go around Red Deer to get to you know, my destination. That's a little bit about what is happening in, in the historical context here. You see, Samaria was this province that was right in the middle of ancient Israel. And the Israelites really disliked the Samaritans because they were culturally different. They were linguistically different. They were religiously different. They kept talking about trying to separate from the rest of the country and they didn't want to join the party with everybody else and they kept making their own. You drawn some connections here? I'm not, you are, I'm not. Okay, so here's the deal, okay? Um, that just, that, I'm getting Canadian because that example literally just occurred to me in the moment. I didn't plan that. Okay, anyway, so here's the deal. Israelites disliked Samaria so much that instead of going straight through their countryside, they would go around to get to Jerusalem or to get to Galilee. No good self-respecting Jew would ever go through this countryside. They would not even speak to Samaritans. This was a hostile uh, relationship that was full of a lot of friction. And yet, Luke takes a moment to point out for us that as Jesus went to Jerusalem, he did not do what most of the people in his world would have done, particularly good religious people. He didn't go around Samaria. He went through Samaria. And that was intentional because Jesus is going to have an encounter here and it's going to change some lives. And it's a good reminder for us that Jesus is doing what he always does. He is working, he is operating, he is ministering on the fringes of society. Jesus is interacting with people that most of us would avoid, like the plague. When we read this sort of story and the fact that Luke specifically says, Jesus went through Samaria. He's reminding us that God is often at work in the places that we least expect him to show up. Every Jew would have said like, no, 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 no. The son of God would not go through Samaria. No, no. And yet that's exactly what Jesus did. And that's exactly what Jesus does today. Do you guys realize that? Jesus, God, is at work in the places and in the people in our world that you might least expect him to show up. Do you guys know that God is right now at work with the homeless in our city that sleep under the bridges downtown? This might be hard for you to believe, but God is actually at work inside of the Calgary City Hall. He is! God is at work in the strip clubs in our city. Now, if that thought bothers you, it's because you don't understand Jesus. You don't understand the God that we serve. There are no places in the world that are off limits to him. There is no place where God says, no, I don't want anything to do with them. They're on their own. No, there is no off limits, no trespassing zones for Jesus. You will find him at work in every single place and among every single person. So this isn't just uh, geographical. This is also personal. Jesus is not just at work. God is not just at work everywhere in our city and world, but he is at work inside of every single person, including me and 
you. There is not a single part of your life that God is not aware of and present in and active in. Every single part of you, God is at work in. Now, you might say, Dan, listen, uh, come hang out on my job site for a couple of days or two. You'll learn real quick, Jesus ain't there. Yes, he is. He is present with you when you are at work. You might say, Dan, come with me down to RBC. Let's take a look at my bank account, bro. I guarantee you, God has never shown up in my bank account. I have never had a loaves and fishes style miracle. Are you sure? Are you really sure that God has never been at work, even in your financial life? You might say, listen, Dan, God has never been a part of my love life or my sex life. He's never shown up there, okay? Listen, Luke wants us to understand here, just in this one little moment where he says Jesus decided intentionally to go into Samaria. He wants us to know that the places and the people in which you think God would have no interest at all, that's usually where you're going to find him at work. There's one more way that this plays out, and then we'll move on. Some of you guys are here this morning because you, you came to watch a friend or a family member get baptized. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. We want you to know we started this church for people just like you who kind of don't always feel comfortable in church, and so we want you to feel welcome. We want you to feel like you belong here. But you may have shown up because you wanted to be supportive, you know? You're like, well, they invited me, and it seems important to them, so I guess I'll go. But you're also thinking to yourself, why'd they get religious all of a sudden? They were never particularly interested in spirituality or anything like that before, and now they're getting baptized. Like, this is all quite surprising. But God is often at work in the people and places that we least expect him to show up. Okay, so we read here in the next set of verses that he goes into a village here, a border town, and in the border town, there are 10 men who suffer, who suffer with the disease of leprosy. Now, you guys have heard of leprosy before. It's a very contagious skin disease. It causes all sorts of grossness and unhealth, and eventually you can die. I mean, I don't have to paint a strong picture because you know exactly what it's like. And of course, in Jesus' day, they didn't understand communicable diseases. They didn't know how any of this stuff worked. And so the way they handled people if they caught leprosy is they banished them. They exiled them. They put them in leper colonies. And they said, you can never come back into the city. You can never come back to your family. You can never come worship at the temple. You can never hold a job. You guys all have to go live on your own, outside, isolated, lonely from the rest of society. There were 10 men in this particular instance who were living that way. And they heard that Jesus was coming through. And I don't know if they had heard at some point past that Jesus had healed people that no one else had been able to heal or if they're just deciding to take a risk, they're like, hey, we've got nothing left to lose. But as they see Jesus walking down the road a good distance off, they shout at the top of their lungs, Jesus, have mercy on us. If you can do anything at all to help us, please, we're desperate. We need you. Do something, anything for us. So in verse 14, we read how Jesus sees their faith, their willingness to cry out to him. 
And he says to them, I want you to go show yourselves to the priests. And the reason why is because, again, back in this day, they didn't have medical doctors. You didn't go to a walk-in clinic or to the hospital or anything like that. It was the religious leaders who had the authority to pronounce somebody healed or cured of leprosy. And it wasn't until the priests in your city said, you know what? You guys are clean, good. You can come back into the life of our community. It wasn't until that happened that they were allowed to leave their leper colony and ever rejoin the rest of society. This almost never happened, but there was a procedure in place for making it happen. Now, I wanna point out that Jesus doesn't say to them, all right, guys, you're healed. Go ahead, come back into the city. No, he says, I want you to go show yourselves to the priests. And when Jesus said those words, they were not yet healed. It wasn't until they started down the road, when they took steps of faith, when what Jesus said could be true of them, was not yet true of them, they still stepped out and they obeyed and they followed and they went where Jesus told them. And it was on that journey that they experienced what they had hoped would happen. Jesus worked a miracle in their lives. Now, I know some of you guys are skeptical. You come from a skeptical bent. I get that. I did too. I wasn't raised in church. I used to read these stories and be like, come on. And you're like, you guys really believe that Jesus just gave this little bazoo and these guys were healed? Come on. Like, I get it. I get it. I really do. Okay, so here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. Just set your disbelief aside for a moment. Suspend it for just a moment so we can walk through the story and still see if you can get something out of it, even if you have trouble believing that Jesus could work a miracle like this, okay? So these guys start walking. They experience total and complete healing. Let me ask this question. How do you think these 10 lepers felt as they were walking down the road and they started to realize, oh my gosh, my sores are disappearing. My, my body feels better. Something is happening here. And that you, you too, me too. Oh my gosh. How do you think they felt in that moment? They were elated. They were shocked. They were so, so happy. And I bet they were very, very grateful. They were genuinely thankful for what they had experienced. I have no doubt about that. So here's the deal. Biblical gratitude, I told you, being thankful from the Bible's perspective, it has two components. And the first one is illustrated here with the 10 lepers. When we are thankful in the way that God calls us to be, the healthy way that will change our relationships, we say, I am grateful for, and then we fill in the blank. These lepers were grateful for the fact that they were no longer lepers. They had been welcomed back into society. This is what it means to be grateful, at least the first part of gratefulness, thankfulness, from the Bible's perspective. Maybe you have this like uh, tradition at your family when you sit around you know, the table for Thanksgiving dinner, and um, you, you each go around the table and you say one thing that you're thankful for. That's a great thing. It is a, so healthy, even every day, much less just once a year, to say, man, I am thankful for my health. I am thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my job, for my car, for you know my relationship with God, whatever it might be. It's a good thing to say, I am thankful for. Um, our friends that are getting baptized today, this is really part of what they're doing. They're standing up in the waters in the hot tub in front of their friends and family, and they're essentially saying, I am thankful for what God is doing and has done in my life. So I'm grateful or I'm thankful for, that's a good start. And this is where most of us stop. But there is a second part of thankfulness, and it's the part that's really powerful. 
It's the part that we often overlook, and it's the part that God, I think, wants us to focus on in the days to come. It's, it's spelled out for us here in the next set of verses. Verses 15 through 18, these 10 men are walking down the path. They experience healing from their leprosy, and nine of them are so anxious to get to the priest to be declared clean so they could rejoin their families and society and all those different things. But there's one guy who says, I can't go forward without also saying thank you. Uh, There's no way I could accept this gift. There's no way I could be grateful for what has happened without also returning to be grateful to the one who made it happen. So this one leper did what the other nine didn't. He turned around, he went back to Jesus, he fell at his feet. And not only did he say, Jesus, I'm grateful for my healing, he said, praise God. You see, I am grateful to God. And this is where our society gets lost. We are so quick to say, I'm grateful for But the type of gratitude that will change your relationships, both here on earth and in heaven, this type of gratitude, it requires you to not just say, I'm grateful for, it requires you to also say, I am grateful to. I'm grateful for is only half the equation. The rest of it, though, is saying, I am grateful to the source of my blessings. Now, you know this is true because in the, during the week at your workplace, if you do some sort of very thankless job around the office or the job site, if your boss one day says, I don't know who keeps refilling the copier tray, but thank you, you're like, well, I'm glad somebody noticed, but what you really want is for your boss to catch you doing it, you know what I mean? And he's like, oh, that's been you the whole time? Thank you, Cara, that was so kind of you. I am so glad that you did that. You want them to not only say thank you for, but you want them to express gratitude to the source, the one who's making it happen. If you cook dinner for your boyfriend every night, right? Just you, you make sure he's got a good meal on the table and he shows up and he sits down and he eats it and he seems to really enjoy it. But he doesn't say, thank you for cooking my dinner every night. I'm thanking you for doing this day in and day out. Guess what? Eventually you're gonna say, look, bro, you got two hands. You could cook your own meal. You're a grown adult. Handle your own business. See, gratitude, at least gratitude in the sense that God wants us to have it. Gratitude that will change your relationships with one another and your relationship with God. It doesn't just say, man, I'm thankful for all the good things in my life, but it says I am thankful to the person who is giving me this blessing. Thankful for, but thankful to. Now, I understand this can be a little bit weird if you don't believe in God. Because if you're a Christian and I've said all this so far, you're like, yes and amen, I'm gonna thank God for all my blessings. I've gotta count my blessings and I've gotta consider the source of my blessings. But you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't believe in God, Dan. So who is it that I am supposed to thank? Well, you can start by thanking the people that are actually doing things for you in your life, like in your relationships, at your workplace, at your home, in your neighborhood, wherever it might be. You can actually say to someone, not just I'm thankful for what, you've done, but I am thankful for you and what you've done. You can start there. But you can also make this transition in which you start to recognize and realize that there is an ultimate source 
that you can say thank you to for the good things in your life. Because here's the deal. Um, there are lots of things that have an obvious source, lots of blessings in your life, and you're like, yep, um, I can thank my job for paying me, or I can thank my sister for you know sending her pickup truck to help me move, or whatever it might be. There are lots of obvious sources, but there are some parts of your life that you are grateful for, but you actually don't know who to be grateful to. Are you with me? Like, for instance, if you don't believe in God, who are you supposed to be grateful to for your health? Like, you are an able-bodied, mostly able-minded person, and who are you supposed to say thank you to for that? Nobody? But that seems weird. And every day you carry around a sense of gratitude and thankfulness that you were born healthy and capable and things like that. Who are you supposed to thank for the fact that you were born in 2019, or not 20, you weren't born this year. You were born in the 80s or 90s or whatever it might be in Canada instead of being born in the 1800s down south when there was no air conditioning. Who are you supposed to say thank you to for that? Who are you supposed to say thank you to for your life and your existence? You might say, well, thanks to my parents, I guess. They did their part, you know what I mean? They got me here. But can I tell you this? Your parents did their part many, many other times, and it didn't result in life every time. But this one time, nine months before you showed up, it did. And all God's people said, ew. (laughs) No, seriously, though, who do do you think for that? Yes, of course, your parents did their thing. But like, why this time? And why now? And why are you here? There is an ultimate source that we should give thanks to. I believe it's, it's God. I believe he's the one that we're supposed to say thank you to. And the thing is, like, if there is no God, okay, if this is all just a happy accident, and that's all there is to it, that's fine. I mean, if you believe that, that's fine. But if that's the case, can I tell you there is no real reason for gratitude in our world? I mean, beyond like the, hey, I'm thanks, thanks for, you know, filling up my car with gas or whatever it was, right? Like, if there is no God... If there is no one ultimately to be thankful to, then there is no real reason for us to be thankful for, okay? Like if you say, you know what? I'm thankful to the universe. I've heard people say stuff like this. Like, I don't know what it is. I'm just thankful to the universe for my life and my existence. Do you think the universe cares? The universe is not a person. It doesn't receive your gratitude, Nothing in the cosmos will be any different at all if you say thank you or not say thank you. If you carry an attitude of gratitude or you don't for these big, big things in life. So listen, if there is no God, then drop the charade. Stop pretending to be thankful because it's, you have no reason to be thankful that you were born when you were born. It's just a happy coincidence. It just is. And gratitude doesn't really matter or change anything. Now, if you say, I don't like that. I, I don't, that just sits weird with me. It feels funny. I'm not sure I can buy into that. Maybe it's because you recognize intuitively that gratitude always requires a source, someone to whom we are grateful And if you find yourselves being grateful for anything in your life, that means there is someone you're supposed to be grateful to. They're getting baptized. I didn't tick them off.
The fact that you know there's gratitude for these things that you had no control over and you can't point to anybody else here on earth. It is actually evidence that God has put a spirit of thankfulness inside of you. And you know that there is not just this desire or need or compulsion to say thank you for, but to say thank you to the ultimate source of every good, perfect gift in our life. I'll read you this final verse and then we gotta be done. Jesus says to the guy, didn't I heal 10? Like, where, where are the rest of these guys? But at least you came back. And because you came back, he pronounces a blessing on this one leper that he does not pronounce on the others. He says to him, your faith has made you whole. Or the literal way of saying that, literally the way he spoke it is, your faith has saved you. Now, in truth, we don't understand exactly what Jesus meant by this. Nobody really does. We have some ideas, like perhaps he was just talking in a total spiritual sense, like you now have a relationship with God that these other guys don't. You have an intimacy and a closeness and an understanding of your heavenly father that they never will, maybe. It could also be that Jesus healed him further than what he did any of the other lepers. So like leprosy, it, I mean, it causes like appendages to fall off and things like that. And so maybe Jesus said, you have literally been made whole because you were willing to express your gratitude, not just for, but to the one who made you whole. We don't know exactly what Jesus meant, but we do know that gratitude seems to unlock a greater blessing. When you are grateful, not just for, but grateful to the ultimate source of your blessings, you will find more and more blessings coming your way. Who do you think God is gonna bless more? The nine that said, thanks, peace, and walked away are the one who came back and said, thank you, praise God. You're the one who's made this happen in my life. Gratitude unlocks greater blessings. So to wrap up this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna lead you in a small exercise. And what I want you to do is just quietly to yourself. You don't have to turn to your neighbor. You don't have to speak these words out loud. But I would love for you to follow the biblical pattern of gratitude. Not just to say I'm thankful for, but to say I'm thankful to and I'm thankful for. Both of those things. You go home. You start talking to your wife. You know what I mean? You say, babe, I am so grateful for you cooking dinner for me tonight. I am grateful to you for cooking dinner tonight. You might get dessert too. I'm just saying, like, you, you go to work, you go to work and you've got employees and you say to them, hey, I am thankful for you. Like, I love how you serve, but I want you to know I'm thankful for you. When you start to express this full sense of gratitude, thankful for and thankful to, man, it changes relationships. It changes an understanding of God. Everything can change when you have this sort of attitude of gratitude. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. Even if you're like, I don't pray. This isn't my thing. Okay, that's fine. But I say, and I want you to say, I am grateful too. And I want you to fill in that blank with something you are genuinely thankful for. Don't make it a platitude. Don't say, oh, I'm thankful for my health. If you're like, whatever, it's just something to fill the blank. No, no, no. I want you to think of something that you're genuinely grateful for. And then I want you to go the extra step and say, I'm grateful too. Who? Is it a family member? Is it a friend? Is it God himself? 
What are you grateful for? Who are you grateful to? Jesus, I'm grateful to you for saving me, adopting me, giving me new hope, new life, new purpose. You've changed things so radically for me, it's hard to even envision my old way of life. And so God, today, I just wanna say thank you. I wanna give you glory and I wanna express my gratitude for how good you are to me. I don't deserve it and yet you still bless me. And so thank you for every good and perfect gift, most especially my relationship with you. And God, I thank you that you want a relationship with every single man, woman, boy, and girl in this theater today. And God, I pray that they would hear your voice. They would consider you as the ultimate source of the good things in their life. And that God, as they say, I'm thankful for, they would also say, I'm thankful too. And they would experience the healing and the freedom and the new life that those lepers did in Luke 17 and that so many of us have in 2019. We love you and thank you and we pray this in your name, amen. 